Greetings. Unscripted 6 officially ended a few weeks ago, but due to busyness, I've still got a few podcasts left to edit. This particular episode, which was recorded about a month ago, features an interview with Misread director Ryan McCurdy. We chat about his latest effort, the ones that came before, what it was like to work on Michael Rosenbaum's Back in the Day, and lots more. Unfortunately, due to an issue with our digital recorder, the audio quality is a bit lackluster. I apologize for all the room noise. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our podcast feed on iTunes and leave us a review. This will help others find the show. You'll also find other great audio content there from us. Thanks for listening. was probably uh, 2008. It was like right after I got out of high school. So I, um, up until that point, I really wanted to do more like art, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, like I was, visual art, paintings? Yeah, I was, um, when I was in high school, I was really into drawing and that kind of art. And then that kind of transitioned to, at one point, there was an animation class that we had in our, at a, um, at, at my school that was like with Photoshop so I wanted, wanted to do that uh, and at the same time I got to the radio program at my high school oh, cool. and so I was doing radio for a while somewhere along the lines um, I didn't get into the next radio class step up from that and so I ended up doing I ended up doing television and it was a very basic television course it was more like the fundamentals of of recording a video and that kind of thing. Nothing like too strenuous, but like one of the projects we had to do was like in-camera edit a oh. film. So it was like, okay, shot one, all right, you do this thing. And then the next shot, you do this. And it was like, the, the scenario was, friend takes your pencil, you chase after him. Like that was, that was literally what it was. And I think the group that, I had a really good group, like there were two other guys. And actually I've talked to the other guy not that long ago, but, um, and he actually, I think, ended up going to Full Sail University and become a producer. Oh, wow. Uh, but we did we did some kind of, like, matrix thing with it, and, like, we put a lot of effort into it. And that was a lot of fun. But that was, like, probably the first real, like, intro into film that I ever had. And then it wasn't until a little bit later that um, uh, friends came back from college, and I was, at, I was at a community college at the time, and they wanted to do... Well, let me back back up. My friend, one of my friends, had a he had a video camera and he wanted to do some stuff with it. So we did like some YouTube videos that were more of us just doing exploring. There was no like script or anything like that. It was just like, and it was edited almost like it was a TV show. The next following year, uh, some of my friends, who, my other friends, had seen that same those same videos. They were like, "Hey, let's do like a real like web series TV show thing." So we did like two episodes of this thing called "Welcome Back to Nowhere." Um, I advise not to look it up, <laughs> but we did that, and that was kind of my first introduction to being like, oh, hey, we can make movies? Oh, cool. I think there are a lot of people that have had that realization when they first get the film bug. It's like, sure. oh, wait, um, I can, you can make a movie, you just get a camera, and then you just have actors say words, and then, you know, it's just, it's weird. But that was, that was the, that was kind of a first introduction to me getting into movies and wanting to do What kind of equipment did you have access to back then? Oh, my God. Back then, my friend had like a old DVC uh, Pro camera, and then my mom had a. She had a. It was before. It was right before HD became like readily available, and she had what was an HDD camera. So it was a hard. It was just a hard drive camera. Oh. Wow. So like it would just record. You were still recording. Uh, I think it was 480 or 720 at that time. I don't remember, but it was like you know, um, right onto the camera. It was just a small camcorder, and like that's what speed connection pull it off. Or that yeah, part. yeah. It was, but it was like it was some old Sony camcorder. I don't remember what it was, but that was like the first camera that I got my hands on, really. And that was all in camera editing too. You didn't have any software at the time. No, we had software. My friend had software at the time, but we we shot all of the stuff on that camera, and then we didn't have any audio equipment because like that was expensive. Right. And you know, we. I mean, it's just so weird to think about those times because. I look back then, I'm like, wow, I didn't have audio. I didn't. There was like 
so much I needed to learn. And then you look back now, and it's like eight years later. No, not eight years later. What was that? How many years ago was that? 2000. You said 2008. 2008. So I mean, almost ten years ago. Almost, almost ten years ago. And then you look back and you're like, wow, I learned a crap ton of stuff since then. So it's okay, you can say crap. I can say crap. Okay. Cool. Um, so you went to USI, correct? Yeah. College. What did you major in there? Uh, radio and television. Radio and television. Okay. Cool. And that's a minor in theater. So that kind of prepared you for the, the filmmaking world and also your day job, which you work at one of the TV stations. Yeah, I work at uh, Channel 25, Eyewitness News, WEHT, NWTW. What, what do you do there? Um, I used to, started there as a uh, photographer for like the news, a news photographer, so I'd go out with reporters. And then recently I got a job. I got a promotion as the news promotions producer. So anytime there's like a uh, image spot or like just like promotion for the station, that's usually what I produce. And they're like commercials for the TV station. I actually had John Leonard in a couple of episodes ago. He directed one of the segments from Volumes of Blood, and he does pretty much that sort of thing. Same thing. Too. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, when was the next thing that you made? Like when, once you had your education, I assume you, the stuff you learned there was. Uh, translated into your filmmaking what, what's the next thing um well i will say that the not to like rag on usi too much but i think that what's interesting is that from my education standpoint i felt like i had to learn a lot of this stuff myself mm-hmm. mostly because the my major is more into television production and radio production which what, what the, it's I, I've heard there, there are a lot of differences okay that's, that's what i'm gonna ask like because i mean i know it's not film school, but I, I, always, yeah. I always assumed in a broadcast major you learn things that are similar. There, okay, yeah, like there are same things that would translate, like for instance, um, framing a shot. What's good framing for a camera shot? Um, what is constitutes good audio? What are you supposed to do for good audio? Things like that. Those kind of translate over TV and film. Um, things that don't translate uh, the same way as like with news, um, you're talking more about, which I think when we were doing TV there, it was more news related, documentary related, that kind of thing. Um, things like uh, journalism type type things, like, you know, what, uh, how do you tell a story in that context of doing like a documentary or something like that. Whereas in film, it's, it's more of a story like you would see in as a written story or right. something like that, like it's a made up narrative. So there's a lot of, there. Are, I think I had a lot more hurdles to jump as far as like learning that stuff, and I'm still learning, you know, like I'm not perfect. But um, but yeah, so the first thing I did, technically there was a short film I did called The Linville Incident. Um, I did a couple smaller things before that, but the first I would consider like my first true real film was that, and I did, it was as I did that as a student, or as kind of a student film. We didn't have, you know, there was no student film class there, so I was lucky enough to get credit on it because oh. they had an independent study. And so I told, I got one of my professors to, he, I said, hey, I want to do this independent study, and he had, like was like, okay, well, you got to show me what I'm gonna, you're going to learn from this and everything. So I had to like write down a bunch of stuff, and I mean, I did learn a lot of stuff from it, and uh, and he. He was even like, I didn't even have to have the film finished by by the end of the class. Like, I was just like, I already filmed it. So he was okay with it not being finished edited by that point. But I, I mean, it, it, it still finished the edit a little bit long after that. But I got credit on film. Don't you realize what's been going on in Linville? Four people have gone missing this past week. And one was just last night. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I was thinking we could solve this mystery. Whomever is causing people to disappear in Limbo may be in the woods. Oh, God, who's that? you up here smoking your dope all the time, vandalizing my property. I'm tired of it. I'm fed up with it. The man's a recluse. Nobody knows anything about him. He could be an alien or something. Your name's not really Mr. Meeker, is it? Mr. Meeker. It is now, kid. So what exactly did you two see in the middle of this night? 
You know what? That suits our report. Really doesn't matter anyway, because nobody's going to believe anything that was said or heard here tonight. Okay, so let me be clear. I was watching a lot of X-Files at the time, because I wanted to want, I wanted to make a film that was kind of like a cross between like X-Files, Eerie Indiana, um, that kind of thing. It's like an alien investigation, essentially. Um, so it's about these two kids who, they're out of high school, they're kind of, I think, can't remember if I had them in college or high school, but essentially it's like this summer. Um, they hadn't seen each other for a while. Um, he had a crush on her, but they're still friends, like, and it's this whole thing. And like, that's kind of like the side story that's going on. But basically, like, his best friend goes missing, and uh, he has to go find his best. So his friend, best one, he finds out his best friend goes missing. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many little things I would have done differently. Right. Like, Looking at like I go back and watch I'm like oh, you cringe like every little thing but but as a first like as a first, first thing that you I don't think own. yeah it's the first thing I'm like I'm proud of it for that aspect but there's also like there's a lot of little story things but anyway he he his friend goes missing so then he recruits his other friends this girl that he that he's friends with that um, they decide they're gonna go and try to find figure out what happened to to him and there's a there's a red herring and. It ends up being like there's aliens, which I mean it's pretty obvious from the way the movie starts. So it's not like a huge reveal, but yeah, um, yeah it's it's it was influenced by watching Blue Velvet and like a ton of X Files episodes and a little bit of Eerie Indiana. Oh, yeah. So I miss Eerie Indiana. That was great. I'm pretty sure I'm not like 100 positive, but I'm pretty sure that Evansville was Eerie Indiana <laughs> because I think in the beginning of the movie, I think the beginning of the show. Like they would show the map of Indiana, and then they would like zoom in to where Erie was, and I'm pretty sure that was Evansville. Oh, wow. I could be wrong, but um, hey, it was a basis for Roseanne, so it's not too. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not too far fetched to think that, but no, that was a great. I liked that show because it was just it, it, that, that show came out before X Files did. Oh, yeah. So some people I think might think like, oh yeah, that was show influence. It was like a kid's version of X Files. Right. Like, yeah, that came out before X Files. I didn't um, watch that. But it was a really bizarre show that like. You could kind of tell it was like it was Twilight Zone light right. in a way, like it was oriented for kids, but it was like just weird stuff. Like I think one of the episodes was there. Um, there was this family. There's like these two twin brothers, and like I was just thinking about that. Episode. Yeah, the twin. I remember the twin. So there's twin brothers, and then like they um, they 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 meet these, and, and the mom is like obsessed with Tupperware. And stuff and like they come over the mom was over for Tupperware parties with their with the, the main character's mom and everything and then they find out that night that like the kids like give him a piece of paper and he's like you need to help us right. and they're like why and then he, he's like look up yearbook date 1962 and he looks through the yearbook and they're like oh my gosh <laughs> and they look at the two the twins and they're still there and they're the same age and everything and then they look at another yearbook and it's the same twins and then they realize, they find out that they've been sleeping in Tupperware. That's why they, they never age. Foreverware <laughs> tip number 714. Vacuum seal yourself for eight uninterrupted hours a day and stay young forever. Remember, eight hours a day keeps the wrinkles away. Remember, eight hours a day keeps the wrinkles away. Remember, eight hours a day keeps the wrinkles away. Somebody had to help the twins graduate from seventh grade. And that somebody was me. All right, Marshall, get Ernie. Thanks, Marshall. Uh, that year, uh, I got the chance to work on the 
back in the day, which was the Michael Rose. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. About that. So I worked as the I worked as a production assistant on that. It was like a huge experience, a huge eye-opening experience to really get a sense of like what a Hollywood film is being, how a Hollywood film is produced. And when I say Hollywood film, I know this was like an indie project, but it was in the that production style. A lot of like good actors. Yeah, Nick Swartzen was in Nick there. Nick Swartzen was in there. Miranda Bachman, Isaiah Mustafa, who's also known as the Old Spice guy. Oh, nice. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple other people that that are in that movie. Is it on video yet? Not to. Yeah, it's been it's been a video for a while. I'll let you borrow it if you want. Okay, cool. Yeah, because you can find it on VOD and stuff. It's. um, I think what's so cool about that movie is that it's shot here locally, Mm -hmm. and it kind of gives a better like. Whereas a film like, uh, what's the other big one? Uh, League of Their Own. Like Mm -hmm. everyone knows League of Their Own. Um, because of the baseball stadium and stuff, but that movie doesn't show Evansville. Right. It shows, was it just was it shot around or just the, the stadium itself they used? Um, I think they used the stadium, and then there's some stuff around Evansville, and then there's a lot of stuff in Hunterburg. Right. So it was a mix of different areas, but it was all locally in Indiana, like that southern Indiana location. Um, but what I loved about back in the day is that it is it is a love letter for that area. Like it's literally, I'm not going to speak for Rosenbaum, but it's it's a lot of it is based off of you know his him growing up and that kind of thing and so a lot of the things that are referenced in that movie are those areas mm-hmm. um what i loved about that movie though is that is just the process like it really got a really eye-opener as to how the day-to-day operation for a film works like you would you would be surprised how much waiting around there is right. between shots it's just like okay the grips and electricians they set up everything up like the director and the first ad they uh, and the cinematographer, they all like have a quick meeting with some of the actors and they kind of plan out what the shots are going to be for that day. And they plan everything out. And then right after they've done the planning, then they're like, all right, let's go to the first shot. And then all the electricians, the grips, and the gaffer, and all those people, they set the shot up. So it's, it's a process. Like They have to build pretty much to that. So they have to get the cameras where the cameras are going to go, where all the lighting is going to go, where all the... Uh, um, anything anything else like maybe a track or something for the camera to, to sit on like all that stuff has to be set up for, beforehand and then while that's going on like the actors are prepping for their lines and they're off doing their thing and then you know as a production assistant you're kind of standing around trying to figure out what the hell you're supposed to do right and then uh, but yeah it was just a really cool experience it was really like eye-opening how experience. long was that shoot it was like three weeks it wasn't that long it was but what was weird was Talking to a couple other people that worked on it, the movie, like they all, there were, it was mixed because there were people that were from Hollywood, and when I say that, I mean they were people that worked in other big productions, um, and then there were people like me who were local from this area. So, the people that were local, I mean they were most of us were kind of like in awe of what the heck we were doing. I mean, I mean we were just like more in awe that we're like, oh my gosh, like there's Nick Schwartzman and there's Marina Bachman and like you know we're just just making this movie and like I'm learning like learning on the fly and then but the big people they were they'd already done this like a thousand times but right. so they're, they're they're kind of like this is nothing you know like <laughs> and they talk about how like uh, shoot times like for some movies are months where yeah. this movie was only like within three weeks so it kind of tells you how drastically different movies are you know? right when did you first meet Kevin and start working with him Kevin and Arnold yeah Kevin. I met Kevin when we did um Kevin Arnold, well, so to clarify for this podcast, Kevin was a producing partner on this, and then he was also the main actor in this movie. So, Did you, did you have anything in between you, when you started working with him that you wanted to talk about, or you want to jump to that? To Miss Red, or to... To, to just your first couple of things? Oh, um, I met Kevin, well, I met Kevin at USI, okay. and then we didn't really work start working together until a little time after back in the day, mm-hmm. and I did... Uh, as far as like work, because Kevin actually is also in Back Today. Okay. I don't know if everybody knows that because he's actually there's a scene in that movie where they the group the guys Rosenbaum's crew are driving down Green River Road, which is actually like a thing people used to do and I guess still do. Yeah, was cruising down Green River they, Road. They cruise right okay here in Los Yeah, so that was like a thing, and and they they're like, hey man, let's go, let's cruise down, let's go like relive the, the glory days and cruise down Green River Road. So while they're doing that, they're driving down the road. And all these guys are kind of like they're much older, you know, they're in their forties or whatever. And then you've got this teenage group of kids that is in the car next to them. <laughs> but what's so funny is that they, the way that he set up that that scene is that like the 
the kids that they're sitting looking at, they're like the opposites, or like they're like the younger versions of themselves, uh, kind of. Um, so like Kevin is in the Kevin is dressed up, and he's supposed to be the equivalent to Harlan Williams' character, mm-hmm. and um, because he actually he actually uh, in the movie. The movie starts off where there's a flashback scene where there's a bunch of kids and they're like all they're at the beach and or not the beach they're at the lake and because um, that was the first scene they shot that day but but Kevin leading up to them doing the movie he actually auditioned for one of the roles and it was the role that Harlan Williams plays as a younger version of him. Right. he didn't get that role but then they they were like well we'll put you in this other role so he still got to be in the movie as an extra but he's like in it for like maybe two seconds right. and I don't even think you can tell it's him or not I'm not sure but. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out. But so, uh, was the next stuff like uh, no more messages and stuff, or did you have anything in between? Yeah, I had out of the shadows. Out of oh, that yes, was right. About that shadows. was the first time we came to unscripted. Right, out of the yeah. shadows. Which is funny because that um, that was the that was like right that was the day the day we did unscripted was the same day I brought my daughter home from the hospital. Oh, wow. after she was born. So, which was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, out of the shadows was. So after I did, um, so I wanted to do a movie, and I'd been wanting to do this idea for a while at USI, and I talked about doing it, and it was going to be kind of like this noir superhero thing that I've been wanting to do. Um, so I've been wanting to do that, and um, finally, I, originally we, the concept we were going to do is a web series, just mm-hmm. never, just never got off the ground, which is probably a good thing <laughs> for many reasons, but, um, but. Well, it's unfortunate, but also I, I, I wish I had done something different with it. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's I, a cool concept. Yeah, it's a cool concept, and I, I, I still, I still enjoy that from that standpoint. So I made that movie. It was like a pilot episode. I made that with Kevin Roach. Kevin Arnold's in it. Um, he plays this computer hacker, um, which I can't remember his name. I think it was called Electric Samurai or something like that. <laughs> it was his name in the movie. Um, it's a good name for a bar too. I can't remember what his name was. It was a movie I made. I can't remember. Anyway, he was in that movie, and then I had my friend Jeremy Relsford, which I saw downstairs, which I thought was cool. Uh, he, he lives in Owensboro now. Okay. He's also in Miss Red. He has a small part in Miss Red, but um, he was he was in the movie, and it was kind of like it was kind of a cross between the character. It was he doesn't have a name as like a superhero name. He's just a vigilante, but it was a. Essentially, it's like this vigilante whose son's been taken from him. He's trying to fight crime in this city, and a lot of it was very vague. Like, there's not, there's no names for a lot of stuff. Um, he uh, he's kind of a cross between like a Batman and like Casey Jones and the Arrow. So it's it's there's a lot of influence there. And some people watch it are like, this is a lot like Green Arrow. I'm like, well, I was probably watching Green Arrow a lot of the time. What do you got? Come on. Get your pockets. Come on! Thanks. Have a nice day. I'm sorry you had to see that. Are you alright? Look, I need your help. My son was taken from me. Possibly killed. That's why I wear this mask. In his memory, I'm out to... Find the scum and the garbage of the streets and kill them. So what do you say? Will you help me? But that was that show, and then, and I did that with my friend Dan, and Dan, um, and did all the camera work on that, and then he had a character called Heyman, who was kind of like this big, um, just big brute of a character, and it's played by um, um, Eric Standish, who plays this, which I think he's been in some other stuff around here, but Eric, it, he was just like, the, he's just this kind of whole, or the rock type guy, and he's just really muscular, really big, menacing dude, and so he plays kind of somewhat like Bane, but not really. So, but yeah, it was it was fun little project we did. And then after that, um, I did uh, no more messages, which was more of a emotional drama, really like really short film, really more like a short short film drama. Right. You know if you want to hear the whole story of that, one, we uh, 
he was actually a guest on our second podcast talking about that one. So uh, we'll, we'll skip ahead a little bit since we discussed that one. Uh, yeah. And just, uh, we'll, let's go right into Mr. Ed. So tell me about Mr. Ed. Give me an idea of the plot and uh, where the idea came from. Okay, so the plot of the movie is about this guy named Jonathan who, before the movie starts, uh, has a job as like he, he's looking for a job of some sort. Like it's very vague. It's a short film. He uh, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, it's it's vague. It's short film. That's that's the uh, that's what he is. Um, no, he he's he gets a mysterious job. He doesn't know what exactly he's going to be doing. Right. He knows he's working for this mysterious company. Um, so he waits. He waits for his contact to come and give him basically his first assignment. It's kind of like a corporate espionage thing. It's nothing is ever gives specific names right. for stuff. It's just it's more like you get a sense that he's part of this company or right. he's and part I think of this. One, one thing you do successfully is you never stop think. You know, like what's the rest of the story? It's like you're so caught up in the action. You don't. Really, yeah. You don't really. You don't need any gaps. In yeah, I, I think I think I think there are some stories that lend themselves to just allowing the audience to just. Maybe make it up in their head a right. little bit. I don't want to go too much to that because I think you get into Damien Lindelhoff territory if right. you do that too much. But I, I, I don't always like giving names to things sometimes sure. just because I feel like every, it's an archetype. You know, like it, it's. I don't think it changes the story too much if you give an archetype. So right. essentially, he's a uh, he's given this job and he finds out that he has to uh, drive this girl around who can read lips from a distance as a form of espionage or a form of like getting information. Um, but the first, and, and he's given a rule that he's not supposed to talk or he's not supposed to touch her or anything. Right. But as he's there, his first assignment, she looks over at him and is like, I need your help. Like they, basically she's kind of been under this, almost like a slave to this job. And that's, that's where the movie comes, that's where it starts off. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. Can you read lips? It's very hard to do. Syllables sometimes look the same. It happened when I was seven. If you're at the wrong angle, you can misread a word. I got lost in a storm. But if it is mastered, it can be used as a tool. A man came up to me, and he said he'd help me find my mother. You will not speak to her or touch her. I need your help to escape. This is very important. Please. It is. I wouldn't say it's a huge surprise, but it's also it's it's part of the experience. Sure, you know, I mean that that's, that should hook people. That's that's a good uh, yeah. Leave them wanting more. So yeah, yeah. And that's on your YouTube page, right? For yes. So yeah, if you want to watch that and you missed Unscripted tonight, you can watch that um, on my YouTube channel. It's, I think it's just Ryan McCurry. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a link. Or like I think it's this red. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes for sure. Um, so, what gave you this idea? What was the inspiration? Um, have you ever so? I've always wanted to do like, because I already done like a noir type thing, I've done some kind of like drama thing, a science fiction thing. I wanted to do something that was a little more like a thriller. Right. And I kind of go around that aspect of like that's something I like. I'm interested in as far as thriller, like doing a thriller. Sure. I mean, you know, my other previous movies are kind of like that. Um, so I'd also watched this movie called The Conversation. It's by I, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's from the seventies. It kind of gets, I think it's one of those movies that kind of gets overlooked a lot of times because, not all the time, but sometimes it goes over from like Marathon Man or um, Godfather or Taxi Driver, like in that like 70s New York vein of films that were really kind of, I don't want to say, they were, they were darker, more neo-noir type movies of that era. Um, so the movie, it's, so Miss Red itself kind of has, tries to have that look of like 70s. Um, it's kind of why it looks a little yellow. Yeah. Um, but the movie, the conversation's about uh, Gene Hackman plays a uh, uh, surveillance guy who does a lot of surveillance and eavesdropping for companies. Like he, and, and he's, you know, he gets paid a certain amount of money. In the movie, he finds, as he was listening to this first recording, which this movie takes place all around this one recording, it's called The Conversation. And he finds out that the information that he is gathering could, someone could be killed from it. And you find out this character had that experience that he got some information and then you find out some the person that um, 
he got this information from somebody died from it. Uh-huh. So he's worried. He's very he's very paranoid about it. And there's a lot of paranoia. And he goes to this convention uh, where there's a bunch of people that do surveillance stuff like he does. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that he meets there, he kind of has already known about. And he he this guy thinks he's awesome and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, Gene Hackman is kind of looked upon as like this legend, like. There's a I can't remember the character's name. I think it's Larry. I think is what his name was. But he's like he's like this this guy is the best. You know he 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 was able to get this one job, and it's the same job that he feels bad about. Um, he was able to get this this recording from this one job, and and he's like, how did you do it? And so this other guy who's kind of a rival who who thinks he's a big shot is like asking him all these questions. Like how did you do it? You know did you like use a telescope? Like what did you do? And he's like he even asked like I bet did you have a did you hire a lip reader? And so ever since then, that was like that was like the one little piece of information. Where I was like, oh, that would be great. Yeah. What if you did a movie about uh, someone who read lips? Yeah, it's, it's a good so idea. that was kind of like the main inspiration for Miss Red. Taking the idea of the script, how long would that take you? Um, I probably spent a lot more time. It was the first project I spent a lot more time on the script for because uh, some of my other movies, I felt like I didn't spend a lot of time with the script. And again, like I'm still learning. I like. Even though I've done a couple movies, you know, like I want to get better every time I do one. So, uh, probably had like five or six drafts on that movie. Oh. And it's a short film, but it wasn't that long. The, the drafts weren't that long; they're only fifteen minutes. So, you know, I went back and like re-edited and redid them like several times. Had a lot of people look at the scripts, give me notes. Um, uh, you know, like like that. That's a process in itself, and I, I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm glad I spent the extra amount of time. But yeah, I think it really helped the lead role did you always know that was going to be Kevin yeah I kind of knew that because I was like I just I was like let's just have Kevin in this weird role I think when some people read the script and they're like wait what like I, I have this problem now when I write scripts people like read them and they're like they their vision of it is kind of the generic vision of it and I have this completely different take on something and so when I present like my take on it they're always like really surprised and like Oh, I did not read it that way, and that was that happened in the audition process for the other characters because it was like, for um, for instance, for Alyssa's character, for Maggie, she's there. There was a lot of great actresses that came in, but they all kind of played it off like a little too big. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she came in and she and she, like she was like one of the first people to come in and she did everything very subtle, right? She and, was very understated. Yeah, so she didn't try to like just. She didn't just like go in and be like, oh, like, oh my gosh, you need to help me. It was more like, I need your help. Like, right. it was more subtle. And I and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. Um, and the same kind of thing was going for uh, Rusty, uh, Rusty's character in a movie was he was, uh, I imagine Cole was more of this guy who doesn't really like, he's done this so many times, like his job, um, and you'll see what I mean when you see a movie, but it's like he'd done his job so many times that he's just kind of, like it's just another it's just it's just another day right. like he's not and I think a lot of people who read it thought it was like um, took him more too serious I think mm-hmm. and I'm like that was not I, that was not what I planned for but that was also something I learned from it it's like right. when you write a movie just try to make it more clear to the person who's reading it that that's who the character is even if it doesn't say it in what's written on page yeah, as far as like the dialogue yeah I thought they all three were great and this was definitely a different type of role for Kevin but I thought you were yeah, in, or fell into it really well. Yeah, uh, but uh, so the shoot. How long did the shoot take for this one? I think it was two weeks. Two weeks. I think it was two weeks. But when I say two weeks, I mean like four days total. Okay. So two weekends. Kind of had to work in between everybody's day job. Yeah, and I'm a weird person because I know other people who would have shot this in probably a day, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's not unreasonably possible. I don't. I think it's possible to do that. I like to give a lot as much time as possible. So there's a couple of key scenes in this movie that I took a, ma- a good chunk of time shooting. Mm-hmm. Where and when I say that, maybe like the total run time, total shoot time for one day of shoot was like six hours. Okay. Some people would be like six hours. Like why did you go for a whole twelve hours? Because I know a lot of people would do that. I'm right. Like, I I don't know. <laughs> but also I, I was very conscious of time of day too. Okay. So like. Scenes that were supposed to take in the morning took place in the morning. Scenes that took place in the afternoon, I really made sure that we were at sun was arriving at the same uh, at a certain level. 
I think it's 12 hours, you run the risk of making it not going for, for the actual oh, yeah. stuff. So I, I think that's six is pretty, pretty good sweet spot. Yeah, I think there I think there are there's advantages getting it done in 12 hours. For one, like you get more than film done right. that amount of time. But I also think that it, it, like you were saying, it runs the risk of like just exhausting. Right. Everybody. Like if you don't have a deadline to meet from the studio or whatever. Yeah. Like, why, it's like why? Why pay? Yeah. I mean, it could you could also look at it depending on what the situation is. If you have the location you have, you only have it for that amount of time, oh, then you're going to have to do that. And if your script calls for that much time, then like, that's that's what you got to do. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point. I think about that. Because uh, I know I always talk about Wagner's Blood just because that's the only film I have experience yeah. with. And behind the scenes with the house, they uh, I think they had a hard out with the house for the new one that they just made. Mm-hmm. And um, they were trying to sell the house, so they had to be extra, extra careful with it and they couldn't be in it like past a certain point yeah in cases like that yeah rushing definitely pays off for sure but uh, that turned out really well did you get a chance to see it I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance yeah. to see it yet. Uh, I've seen the whole thing once and then I saw bits of it here but yeah it's it's, it's pretty fun um, so two week shoot uh, do you storyboard at all or do you just kind of figure your shots out when you get there uh, yes and no um, I, I think I have the advantage of because I was a news photographer oh, okay. I kind of already know like I can go into a situation and already be like I need this shot this shot and this shot yeah. and then we're done um, there are times when I storyboard that, like I used to do a lot more storyboards and I like write on note cards like I remember doing that for Lindell incident a little bit for Out of the Shadows because I kind of already wanted to like write down like what I wanted to look like and when was going to how the scene was going to progress but there are times though that you get to the scene and you're like you're like storyboarding this is going to be redundant because they're not there there's not going to be a lot and a lot of people like there there's this film legend they talk about how Hitchcock always storyboarded all of his movies I don't know how true that is mm-hmm. but there are sequences that like for instance the psycho sequence which I'm pretty sure was storyboarded with Saul Bass who's a graphic artist but he uh it's like the shower scene. The shower scenes, yeah. Like people storyboard action, but sometimes like the scene that you and I are in right now with two people sitting in a room with holding microphones, um, you're not gonna storyboard that right. shot. That's boring. I mean it's more about the two characters talking to each other than it is about, you know, how cool the scene's gonna look, I guess. Speaking of that, I would like to talk to you about a remake of my dinner with Andre. You're no, just kidding. You're remake? <laughs> dinner with Andre. Uh, no, that's that's one thing, kind of an aspect of this that I've been fascinated by that I've been talking about more in the new season of the podcast. It's sure. like storyboarding, pre-planning, and that sort of thing. Because I know a lot of people running that. I know some of your projects in the past, like uh, No More Messages, that was pretty like pretty quick, right? Yeah, it, that one was like, uh, I wrote Kevin. Yeah, the whole story behind that one was like, Kevin, I wanted to make a movie. I had to make a new camera, camera, right? Yeah, yeah, I had a camera. And I was like, hey, let's make a movie on Monday because I had that day off. Yeah. And Ke- Kevin didn't wasn't doing anything he's like okay do you have a script it's like I'll have one more thing yeah, <laughs> so I can't and I think it was like Sunday evening I had a script and I gave it to him and he was like he was still kind of like oh this is going to turn out and it turned out pretty well <laughs> it was more of a while so I really love that short Thank I, you. that's another one that's on your YouTube page right? yes okay. so and that one actually I'm pretty sure everything is on there awesome um, and then I have some new stuff on there too so Sweet. oh yeah your inspirational stuff my inspirational also, also wonderful uh, I wanted to squeeze some of those in and I wish I thought to tell you bring one Oh, I, they're on my YouTube channel. Okay, cool. Yeah, if we, we want, if we have time, we can show one. Yeah, cool. Um, so, um, two weeks. You, how long did it take to edit? Uh, the editing on Miss Red was a little, maybe two months. Oh wow! I well, we shot in February, and then I had to have it done by April fifteenth. I don't remember that because that was the date I had. There was a bunch of festivals I sent mm-hmm. the film out to, and then I had to get it done by then. We can talk about festivals too if you want. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, but I had to, yeah, I think it was two months, and there was a lot that I had to do because nowadays, you know, if you're you're editing, you're also putting, you have to edit the audio, and I will be very honest, the copies that I sent to a lot of the film puzzles weren't good because I had, there was some audio stuff that I screwed up, mm-hmm. and it was, it, it was, well, I can explain that later, it was kind of a happy accident, sort of, but not really, um, but I sent the, the films to all these other um, festivals and bad audio but yeah I had to do audio it was the first time I really did a lot of color grading on all this the color is great yeah it's it's interesting like it's not um, it's not what you're used to there's a lot of yellow in the palette like it's very yellow and red. that's the settings yeah yeah so that was like kind of close on that but um, yeah some people and I even did like I got to 
I think what happened was I had CC had a new Premiere, the editing software I used. I was going to ask. Had a new update and it was like a color grading add. It wasn't an add-on, it was just so that it made color grading and color correction easier for you. Mm -hmm. Instead of putting extra filters and doing all this other thing. So, and it gave you options for doing like film stocks looks for things too. So I used a lot of that on this red and that took a long time. That it process itself takes a long time because after you edit the film, you still have to go back, and this is even Hollywood films, they still go back and you have to grade the color and make sure like the color looks like the scene you want it to look like. Um, so if we're in like this bright, like we, this scene right now, like you and I imagine, if you're listening to this and you're watching right now, uh, two guys sitting in an office room, or basically a boardroom type scene. Now, the way this room's lit, I mean, it's pretty well lit or whatever, but you could kind of color, color grade it a little bit to look more, a little more dreary, maybe a little darker, or it can be a little more happy and sunny and just really vibrant colors. Like so you make day night. Or yeah, kind of a little bit, a little of that too. So that was that was a huge process on the editing and then getting the uh, all the audio cleared up. There was a lot of challenges with the audio, just make sure because we were in out, we shot a lot of outdoor stuff on, on this red and stuff in cars and so. Um, and I was fortunate enough I didn't have to do any uh, looping or going back and having our actors re-voice things. I probably could. I, looking back now, I might have done that. Um, but then the other thing, the other part of the process was doing getting music. So for me, I never generally like getting copyrighted music online or uh, royalty-free music. I know a lot of people do it because it's the easiest thing to do and it's the thing that people don't think about. Right. For me, I always enjoy having someone like score something. So, uh, with the exception of this, or exception of no more messages, all my phones have been had some score on them. Uh, my friend Daniel Roach, I work with, he's scoring all these films now that I'm doing these inspirational shorts. Mm -hmm. But um, he did the score on that, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was great. It was yeah. a great score. It's very, and it fits the mood. Yeah, day. definitely. It's, so. it's it's like all, all around, this is a well-balanced film. Yeah. It, it feels like you got exactly what you're going for yeah. just watching it. Um, like, <clears throat> once you, uh, excuse me, uh, once you got everything done, like, what was the premiere like? Did it premiere May Day? It premiere like May Day, which was great. Um, I had two premieres, technically, because it got to show twice at May Day. Mm -hmm. There was a couple other films that got to show twice, but uh, I showed on Friday and I showed on Saturday. I think the response was good. Yeah, like I didn't have anybody. I, think I was in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the response generally was good. I had a lot of people that enjoyed the movie, and there were some. I had one person come up to me and tell me that he's like, "This film." There was a bunch of other films that did these weird things, and I liked your film because like I didn't quite expect what was going to happen. Right. I liked how the movie ended and all stuff. So, which which is great, and that's like it's encouraging, and you're just like, okay, like, I feel like I did this for something, at least I got some kind of yeah. good reaction out of it. Um, but yeah, that was the premiere, and it, I think it went well. And then at Mayday, we won um, Best Audience Award, nice. so, which is awesome. Yeah, and uh, you were talking about other festivals. What, what's been your luck with that? That's, that's oh my god, festivals? Okay, so if you're, made, if you're a filmmaker, and you haven't gone to festivals, you're not a filmmaker. <laughs> like, I want to say, I, I don't mean that to be a jerk or anything. I just mean that like you don't know what it's like until you've gone to other festivals and seen other people's movies because you if you if you live in a bubble, which I feel like I have after going to festivals, I'm like, geez, like why haven't I done festivals before? Right. Um, they're great because one you meet other people. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big part of unscripted to me. Like yeah. I, I love like plugging filmmakers from different scenes that I've never met before. And like okay, there. so first on that, John Doss, you were talking about mm -hmm. him earlier. I remember last year he shot the film for James was it James Treacles? But James Kent. Kent. Okay, yeah. I'm getting so something else. Um, James Kent, we did the puppet suicide movie, right? Yeah. And that played with no more messages. Well then, um, so I friended John Dawson. I don't I haven't really talked to him much, but it's like I know who John is now and stuff. So at work, um, we had a new anchor. We have a new anchor recently, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, oh, crap, I forgot his name. All of a sudden, uh, but uh, Jake Boswell—that's his name. He's our new morning anchor. But anyway, Jake came, and uh, Jake actually was from the station that John works at. Yeah. So when I met Jake, I was like, "Do you know you know John Doss?" He's like, "Yeah, how do you know John Doss?" And I kind of explained in the script. Yeah. See, that's that's. So it's kind of weird. That warms my heart to hear. Yeah. Because that's like a big. This is kind of a slant I've taken more within with the past couple of unscripted. Is that I love like 
networking stuff. Like, yeah, I, I love bringing people together and they can critique each other's work and maybe they would possibly collaborate. So stuff like that makes me feel really good about the direction. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about festivals. Like, networking is like a huge thing with it, and a lot of it doesn't necessarily mean that, doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to work with that person in the right. future. It's just nice to know somebody else who's doing something similar. Maybe they're doing something better than you. Maybe they're doing something not as good as you. Yeah, and, I, and I don't mean that as a jerk way. I mean, right. some people, like, everyone comes in um, at different levels, sure. you know? Like, you can kind of tell people's levels. And it also, I think it also kind of balances your ego a little bit, because once you see someone else's work, you're like, oh, I'm not awesome, you know? Like, <laughs> you're like, uh, you just kind of have that realization that, like, it doesn't matter what festival you're going to go to, like, there's always going to be someone who's better than you, there's always going to be people right. that are not as good as you, as far as the film product you sent out. Maybe yeah. not as a person, but there's always going to be strengths and weaknesses, but you're, and then you also learn to appreciate things that you didn't see before, too. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good to stay humble, I think, in pretty much every aspect of life. Uh, so, what kind of reception have you gotten through festivals? Um, oh, you got in Gen Con too, right? That's, that's Gen, yeah, cool. I got in Gen Con. Um, let's see, we did, we went to, so we did May Day, and then the next festival we did was the Hoosier Dance Festival. It's up in Kokomo, Indiana, which is really cool. That festival was different um, because they didn't do it in the theater. It was very integrated into the community, so um, all the locations that you'd watch the films were actually other businesses. That's cool. So there's a record. You would, I think, you would love this. There, there was a record store. They have a place in Kokomo called Geek Street, and it's just they've got it's a comic book store, uh, a toy store, uh, the record store, and then there's a game store. And that they're all like they're all lined up <laughs> next to each other. The record store has shows there, mm -hmm. and uh, like I guess they that, that have rock shows every once in a while there. But they they were one of the venues for the uh, the festival, That's so cool. you got to watch the films there. There was a bar across the street that upstairs we watched films, and then around the corner from there was another location. So I got to go to these different areas. That's kind of like uh, the Harry Dean Stanton Festival up in, like, my friend Lucy runs okay. that, and they actually got Harry Dean to come one. Okay. Pretty awesome. But they use different businesses. I actually went to a bar once, and we watched Repo Man. Yeah. And then afterwards, Ultra Pulverizer, a band from Louisville, they're like a synth band. Yeah. Uh, they were going to do the soundtrack in its entirety, which I didn't stay for that. Oh, wow. But yeah, stuff like that's awesome because it's it adds to the communal aspects of it because you're bringing attention to other businesses. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I would love to go back there. I don't know if, I don't think I'm going to have anything to go up there this year, but I'd love to go back. Um, yeah. That was a cool festival. And then, um, let's see, I did Kokomo. What did I do after that? I think we did Gen Con. Gen Con's fun. I did get to meet a couple people at Gen Con that I'm I still, there are a couple films that I still, that have been on my list of watches to watch, but I haven't watched them yet. Is that a new, newer aspect of Gen Con? May I have your please? Library will close in 30 minutes. Hey, Wesley, I just want to let you know the library will close in 20 minutes, okay? <laughs> Don't erase this from the podcast. <laughs> I just want to let you know, I want everybody to know that this is when we were, we were recording this, before Unscripted. Um, uh, what were we talking about? Gen Con? Con? No, uh, yeah, it's been, I think the festival's been with Gen Con for a while. Okay. Um, it is, it's a pretty cool, I think it's cool because it's just like, it's just another aspect and I was very surprised how many people showed up for our screening for a movie. Wow. And I don't mean that like, oh my gosh, my movie's so cool. I mean that like, uh, apparently, so this is a weird thing about Gen Con. Gen Con, if you don't know what it is, it's a gaming convention that takes place in Indianapolis around August. And, and when I say gaming, it's like tabletop games, so think like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, certain board games that were like Catan and things like that, like very kind of like if you were to go to your local comic book store, they would be playing any of those types of games at the back of the shop. So Magic, The Gathering, things like that. Right. Um, so it's a three-day, I think it's a four-day or four-day convention, and there's a lot of stuff to do there. It's, it's very gaming heavy, so there are a lot of people playing games, a lot of tournaments going on. Um, a lot of demos that you can try new games out or games that have been out for a while that you just want to check out. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really fun. It's a really cool festival. Or I keep one thing festival. But <laughs> yeah, convention. Yeah, so, but anyway, uh, the guy, uh, I can't remember Chuck's last name, but he, he runs this festival that they have during the convention. So some of the films will play during the convention. But what's really cool is at night, a lot of people are coming back to the hotel. They And I, this is what I talked to him about. It's like, you'd be surprised how many people show up because after a long day of gaming or walking around and doing stuff, no. you're just like, well, I want to go do something. And they're like, okay, well, what is there to do that I don't have to put a lot of effort? Well, I go to a film festival. Right. Well, so some people sit, 
I was, I was surprised when I heard that they tacked on that element because to me, yeah. like, I've never been to Gen Con, but I just always assumed that it was nothing but that. So. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. awesome, and that's a great idea. Yeah, so um, yeah, you should go. It's it's fun, but uh, yeah, I, but that was my first year being at Gen Con, but it was uh, it was still a lot of fun. Uh, we didn't win anything there. There's a lot of great films there. Yeah. So, um, but I did that festival. Um, I did the Indiana Short Film Festival. Um, I wasn't able to go to that one because I was at a wedding, so I didn't get to experience that one. I kind of wish I could have gone to see what it was like. Right. Um, let's see. Went to how many festivals I go? I did a couple, and then I did um, the one that's local here is the Southwest Indiana Film Festival, okay. um, and that is located in Jasper, okay. and we won uh, runner-up for best short film. Nice. And that was cool because the 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 location they they host that one is the Astra. Uh, movie theater that it was like an older old style movie theater you know two screen it was like one screen really um, movie theater there that they open up and I guess they're they're actually trying to raise money to renovate the location so that they can use it for other events and other things cool um, but that one that was a really cool festival and seems like you had a pretty good run then. yeah it, for for being it wasn't a long run I mean I didn't go to a ton of festivals mm -hmm. and. And I think the other thing I learned from doing festivals that I don't think people tell you is like you will submit to a lot of festivals, some that you are like really hoping you're going to get into, and then you find out you know. All right. And it's heartbreaking because it's also like I just spent forty bucks, right. or fifty bucks, or sixty bucks on festival submissions, yeah. and then you don't get in, and it's it's heartbreaking. But you also kind of have to take the good bad, and be like, well, I can learn to just make better movies next time, or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know. All right, well, uh, we're actually getting close to time where I probably need to finish that. Not the you better, better finish up, Wesley. <laughs> Wesley style. I don't want to get in trouble. Big Wesley style is my new nickname that Ryan gave me, my new rap name. So look out for my new mixtape next year. It's going to be fire emoji. We'll just put, well, hey, I'll tell you what. Next move, you know, next single you get, we'll put at the end, end credits for next movie. Yeah, that. Sounds, sounds great. Sounds, sounds great. Good. All right, well, let's, uh, let's end on a positive note. Give us a couple of pieces of advice that you think would be beneficial to Filmmakers living in kind of areas that aren't necessarily associated with film. Um, okay, so okay, the cliche thing that every filmmaker will tell you is just go out and do it. Um, I can say that that is true, but I think there, I think there is some. I think you should go out, but you, you should go out prepared. Like you should do what you're wanting to do, but go prepared. That doesn't mean I need to go to film school. I need to go do this. I need to be in Hollywood. Because um, I don't look as the filmmaking that I do is Hollywood. The filmmaking that I do is not Hollywood filmmaking. Um, the filmmaking a lot of people that I run into is not Hollywood filmmaking. It is purely independent. You are doing this. I think there. It's not from the business point of view. It's from the art point of view. It's actually making yourself better at what you're, the films you're doing. Sure. Um, in that regards, as far as preparing, I would focus a lot on story, a lot on the screen, on the writing. Um, because I think there are, I think a lot of people that I know, uh, not necessarily know, but I think a lot of people get hung up on the, the equipment. And I've got a ton of equipment too. This is a lot of really cool things that are out now that yeah, you can buy all for like relatively cheap. Yeah, yeah for not cheap, cheap, but, but yeah, reasonable. Yeah. And so don't get hung up on the the next drone or the next uh, um, you know Steadicam or gimbal or whatever. Right. Always remember that like stories the the primary thing that you need to focus on. So sure. work heavily on your script, heavily on making your dialogue better, making right. your stories better. As it, long as you have a good story, yeah. if you have crappy equipment, you can still make a good movie. Yeah. Well, I will also say good sound as well. well that's the other thing. But, you know, a uh, good sound and a good story will go really far in making a good movie that people will enjoy. Excellent. This was a production of the Davis County Public Library.